judge a person and it turns out you didn't have the whole story? Ever learn there was a lot more to that story than you first realized? I'm Kimberly. And I'm Rebecca. Join us as we separate the little lies from the big reputations. Recording. Right. Do you always just get like me going, recording at the beginning of no, the recording? No, usually you go, and gone. Oh, look at me. I think, I think because I usually say go instead of record. So mm. you just respond to that. And I think last time you asked, do you always get me saying that? <laughs> <laughs> oh, this is, Theo finally listened to a little rap. Oh, okay. He's like, oh, I finally figured out how to do it. I was like, did you follow Rebecca's very detailed instructions that I'm pretty sure she sent like on the the little rep page and he was like actually yeah and i was like yeah <laughs> imagine that it he was like it works. was so easy and i was like oh my god and he's like yeah you guys like really shoot the shit on those i like it and i was like have you never listened to one he's like no and i'm like oh my god this whole time because <laughs> he was like it was too hard to but like now with the spotify he's like ah it's perfect yeah the people who do listen talk about um doing like saving them up and listening to like three or so at a time so mm-hmm. That's, yeah, since they're short, that makes sense. Yeah, yeah, exactly. But it's also nice when you just have like a short little commute or whatever to... I think Ashley says she listens to them when she donates plasma. That's so funny. I was like, what a specific time. I was like, how often is she doing that? That's why she's so behind, but like... I mean, I don't think she always does it then. It depends what's going on, but um, mm-hmm. yeah. I was like, I need to look into that. <laughs> I need some spending money. She's like some vampire's like flavor of choice. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. mm-hmm because the blood yeah. banks are in cahoots with the vampires. There's no way. Obviously. 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 I Obviously. mean, that's uh, I've seen it in every like spooky Halloween vampire movie show. There's always someone who like doesn't actually suck blood but goes to the blood bank and like mm-hmm. steals bags, right? <laughs> there there is. Like I think I think there was like in Buffy that happened. There's multiple supernatural episodes where that goes on. Oh yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean it is vampire season. It is spooky season. Some of us don't subscribe to spooky season, but other ones are pretty gun ho about it. Like me. I love spooky season. I, listen, but I feel like what? I've got nothing against it. I just don't get very invested, that's all. I like candy though. Yeah, no candy's good. It's so funny to me because I'm always like, ooh, Halloween candy, as if I can't buy candy with like my adult money any other time <laughs> of the year. Like, I'm like, we're going to get a big bag and we're going to like let it stretch out. I'm like, there's going to be like a piece of candy a day. And I'm like, oh, that's like too much candy. But like, I can literally have candy whenever I want. Like, no one's telling me I can't. Yeah, yeah. That, it's so that's... weird that like October hits and I'm like, it's candy season. But I do think there's something about like how we were raised as kids to just be like, you can't just always have this. Like that's yeah. in our heads and it, like for better or for worse. And in some mm-hmm. things it's for better. <laughs> but in yeah. candy, it's for worse. <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. <laughs> Depends on the candy. Yeah, it does. For sure. Like, oh, shitty Halloween candy is the worst. Like, Wait, what do you think is what's shitty to you? Um, let's see. Necco wafers. I don't, I don't even know, know if people is. know what those are. No. They're Explain, like grandma. They're like <laughs> they're definitely a grandma candy. <laughs> they're like those little chalky circles that are like thin oh, and flat. You lost me. Oh god, I just googled <laughs> them. No, they're disgusting. <laughs> I've never had this. They look like um 
flattened out Smarties, which I also think are disgusting. I don't think Smarties, so Smarties are, really... are better than Necco wafers. How? How? The... Well, I don't think Smarties are like a, that's more of a Valentine's Day. Is that? Wait, no, or Easter candy. That's not really a Halloween candy. I've definitely gotten it in, in Halloween baskets when I was a kid. Baskets, Halloween buckets, whatever you put candy in when you trick or treat. I'm like, what? Pillowcases. I was like an Easter basket. Yeah. <laughs> I guess I've never done that, but I've seen that on TV. Yeah. Well, that's the how you cases. make sure you can like really load it up. You know, your ba- your bucket doesn't get filled too fast if you have a whole ass pillowcase. <laughs> I feel like what? Like in reality, how much candy is someone filling up like? an actual pillowcase like how much candy are these kids actually getting like this seems crazy to me i don't think these days it's the case but like back when we used to trick-or-treat by ourselves like i would trick-or-treat with my friends and we could hit up three different neighborhoods oh like if we all lived in different areas or whatever you know so i've never been traditional trick-or-treating because i always lived in the city so like we would go to grocery stores but like we didn't do like house to house yeah, our neighborhood does that. And I know you keep saying you want to do it in my neighborhood. And then you're like, no, it's gross out today or it's cold or it's rainy or you know what? <laughs> and I don't blame you. <laughs> Honestly, maybe this Halloween because I will have to. Oh, no. Well, I was say, where am I going to be? I'm going to be in Manhattan. Well, I'm Sean's not going to be home. So I'll no. be home by like six. You know. Maybe it's going to be nice out. Every other time it's been like too cold or something. And then you can see Steve Buscemi in his uh, Halloween costume, whatever he does. There's a lot of kids in my neighborhood because they do the children's parade down Mm -hmm. 7th Avenue. Um, Do they do that on like on the weekend or do they do that on Halloween? They do it on Halloween. Oh, yeah. Kids out of school for Halloween or is it just no, like an after school No, it's thing? in the evening. Oh, okay. <laughs> it's at like, I, listen. It's at like five o'clock. Because I remember one year I, I got off the train. I like to take the express train. So I got off the train at Flatbush Avenue and was walking mm-hmm. down towards my house instead of the train that's closer. And I realized that I was like salmoning against all of the triggered, like the, the little kids in the parade. That was like yeah. this flood of children coming so at you're me. just like I, elbowing like children's heads. I literally dipped down to Sixth <laughs> Avenue. I was like, I'm going to go out of my way to avoid this. You were but, like my kryptonite. <laughs> so you would do like trick or treating at like stores, like local Yeah, like shops. we'd go to like bodegas, like Walgreens, like. We never went to like houses. I always wondered how that worked in big apartments. Like if people did trick or treating at their individual doors or if it was just. It would take too long and you would definitely run into someone who'd be like, why are you touching my door? But my building has a party. So like every year we donate candy and then there's like a big party and like uh, we have like an event space. So like there's a little kid parade and then they just give out candy. Yeah. Well, there's be- a lot of candy donated this year. So I was like, there's no way these kids are getting all this candy. There is some nice volunteer that has like put some of this away for herself. I'm so sure. Well, and good for her. Yeah. Good for her. I mean, that's, listen, that's enough reason to get on the candy committee. They don't ring the doorbell in my neighborhood. Um, but because, especially on my block, there's everybody's got their stoops. Mm-hmm. Um, people just sit out. They stop, people sit out and, oh. and give candy. So, um, yeah. There's, and some people, because of with the pandemic, when that started, the kids still wanted to trick or treat. They s- would set up these candy shoots down the rail. So I th- did see that. That yeah. was really cute. <laughs> and some people still do it and they have like a lot of fun. Like there's this one house down the street that has like, I think it's like a skeleton or something. And they hang a bucket off of it. And then the skeleton like rides down this pulley 
and like at the bottom like the kids can re- reach in and get a a piece of candy That's and so then it like free. resets oh yeah people go all out in this neighborhood there's there's a house across the street from me that has like this six eight foot tall inflatable ghost thing that lights up different colors <laughs> it's like yeah that's the one thing that like the fomo is decorating a house for halloween like i'm never gonna have a house yeah because of like gestures around to like everything um <laughs> but i would love to just get like a huge skeleton like i would it would be so wacky my house would be so awesomely decorated for Halloween because I love spooky season and that's like the one crappy thing is that I won't be able to decorate a house I'm just gonna go decorate someone's house and they're gonna come up and be like what just happened (laughs) growing up my mom would always decorate for like all the holidays like she had the little Mm -hmm. like window hangings for Valentine's Day for Easter Mm -hmm. 4th of July and literally the only thing I do is Christmas and it's pretty contained to my living room Mm-hmm. Um, I put a couple things in the bathroom just because I've got like little hand towels and stuff like that. Yeah. But um, for me, it's really just the tree. Like that's the only part. But listen, I'm not in a rush to put it up. Um, December first. Yeah. December first is as early as it goes up. Oh my god! A friend of mine was walking through Herald Square like yesterday, and she like posted a video of them Macy's putting up their wreath, and I'm like, listen. I need you to relax on Christmas. Every year, Christmas starts creeping up quicker and quicker. And I'm like, it's not even Halloween yet. I think that's why you Halloween people and fall people are like, August 1st, it's Halloween. It's We're trying to season. hold on to it. I love spooky season. I love, so this year, I think it is my first spooky season as like an adult who's no longer like jaded or whatever. So like, there's all these <laughs> are things. You though? Are you though? No, because like usually we do like apple picking and we uh, do like a big deal out of it. We go see like this, um, it's like, it's called like blaze and it's all these pumpkins that are like a uh, jack-o'-lantern on fire. And it's awesome. Like they do really great designs. So we're just like, okay, like we don't really want to do apple picking this year. Cause like we've done it every year. And like my husband doesn't like apple pie. And I'm like, there's only so far you could go with like, you know, two dozen apples. Like, what are we doing here? So we're like, okay, let's not do that. But I was like, oh, let's do something else. So there was this like pumpkin encounter on like this rooftop in Queens. Um, And they had like a pool full of pumpkins and they had like, you were able to, you were able, you were able to smash a pumpkin. But when we got there, it was like such an Instagrammy ripoff. Like they had like an archery thing set up so you can like shoot scarecrows, but it was like, like the archery was like capped at the end, so there wasn't like it didn't stick. It just like bounced off, and it, there was no one telling you. Well, how I guess to do if it, it was on a roof, you needed to make sure that if it went over the True. edge, I mean, you didn't it was like, like stab a, someone. <laughs> it's like a New York City like rooftop club where it's like you're not really on the highest point, uh-huh. and there's walls. Like it's just basically like open air. Yeah, I don't know how to explain it, but like it was it was a roof, roofish. Roofish, yes. <laughs> so like there was like no one there to like tell us like how do you shoot the archery? So we all like figured it out on our own and then it like bounced off and like hit people. Like we were just like, okay, let's stop doing this because now we're just hitting ourselves with arrows. And then the pumpkin <laughs> smashing, they were like, Okay, when you when you come, your ticket comes with a pumpkin. So we're like, Cool, we'll just grab a pumpkin to smash, right? And the guy's like, Oh no, you get a pumpkin to take with you. But if you want to smash a pumpkin, it's $20 extra. And we were just like, why can't we just smash the pumpkin that you're giving us? And they're like, oh, because the pumpkins you get are like small. Like you can pick it, 
But like then when you leave, they tell you if you can take it or not. And like drinks were like twenty dollars. The food was like forty dollars. And we were just like, yeah, we're not doing this. Capitalism has infiltrated everywhere. It was just like this was a good idea but poorly executed and like way too expensive. And I was yeah, like, yeah. oh, that's what all the fall shit that I like to do really is. And then it's like, if there is something that's cool, there's like a three hour wait in line for it. Like everyone's doing it. I was thinking about that in terms of the apple picking that you're talking about. It's like, so I can go to the store or even the farmer's market and like mm-hmm. pay a price for some apples. Or I can go and like do the labor myself and pay more for the apple. <laughs> I feel like you're getting the experience. Like, so when we, me and my husband would go, we would go on, like, he has days off during the week. So we would go during the week. There wouldn't be a lot of other people there. Sometimes you take the dog. It's really nice because it's like you're outdoorsy, you're walking around, and like the variety of apples is insane. So, like, that's the one thing that I think that we should maybe bring back is doing that again. Like, that felt really fall. That felt really nice. They have like, um, like cider and like wine that they make on premises. Like the place we go to is really cool, but you have to rent a car and it's like a two hour drive. But like the local stuff feels so like you're in the city. This is as good as you're going to get cash grabby. And have I really don't like it. Been to the one in Queens. I can't remember the what farm it was called. Museum yeah. The, the farm. farm. Yeah. I haven't, but I've it's been like hearing out that there. It's yeah. Um, I remember when I went, it definitely took like, cause I don't, I we just went on the train. It, we took mm. the train till the end of whatever line that I don't remember. And then we had to take a bus a ways out. And then we had to terrible. walk a little bit. That but, always um, sounds bad. But if you rented a car, um, mm-hmm. it would be probably like 20 minutes or a half an hour. You know, it's like not that far. Um, but they had like a corn maze and hay mm-hmm. rides and pumpkins and stuff i don't remember if they had apples or not but i'll have to look back at my photos i don't know i just feel like nothing's worth it anymore so you are jaded now instead of not being jaded oh i guess yeah i am jaded now (laughs) nothing's worth it just stay home and watch horror movies Ooh, i watched a very good horror movie last night which can segue us into our topic okay if you would like a segue go for it Okay, so I watched a movie called The Witch. It had um, Anya Taylor-Joy. Is that her name? That From The Menu and yes, Thoroughbreds. Yes. I don't know who her agent is, but she does not fucking miss. Any movie that she's in is so good. So this movie is like set in like Puritan times. Like she's a pilgrim for sure. And like her family like has to move outside of these woods and like these woods are supposed to be haunted, but her parents are like, cool, let's set up here anyway. And I'm like, this is a bad idea. <laughs> and crazy stitch starts happening. Like five minutes in, her baby brother gets kidnapped while she's playing peekaboo with him, and it's insane. So, like, it is very, very good. It is all about like what makes a witch, who's a witch. Like, it's very like deep into like witchcraft and like kind of the origins of like is it nature versus nurture? Like, I thought it was very, very good. I think she's a fantastic actress. I love her in everything I've seen her in. I watched it on HBO Max, or is it just Max now? I don't know. Yeah, yeah. Max, whatever. I watched it on there. It was really good. And it was, like, scary, but there was no jump scares. And I feel like every movie now is, like, ominous music building into a jump scare. And this was just, like, I watched... You can't... You, because this is a podcast, can't see my face. But I watched it like this. 
like, <laughs> she's like tense. sitting back tense with her tense. eyes like just wide wide, wide open <laughs> i was tense for so many things i was like what's gonna happen and it was a i wasn't on my phone movie which i think that there should be like a rating for that like when you go like look up reviews like did you like have a tendency to pick up your phone while you're watching this movie? No, I did not because it kept my attention. Oh, okay. I see what you're saying. Yeah, yeah. Because I feel like there are movies you can watch while you're on your phone and not miss anything. And there are movies that you cannot do that at all. This movie you could have, but like I didn't was want so to. into it. Yeah, I was so into it that my phone was just like away from me. I loved it. And well, I love the topic of witches. Which is exactly what we're going to be discussing today, right? This group of powerful and often misunderstood women, witches. I mean, I guess witches can be men, but like we're going to focus on women because that's what we do here. Because why? Because men have been talked about enough. Exactly. First, we're going to take you back to some ancient roots of witchcraft and early perspectives by different cultures, religions, and societies. Then we'll consider how society and pop culture mold our outlook on witches and vice versa by discussing common examples of witches in media. Next, we'll dig into some 20th century controversies and realities surrounding witches and witchcraft in real life, including how it's practiced today. Lastly, we'll talk about the negative and positive impact that witchcraft has had on the world. So some trigger warnings for child abuse, violence, and death. Okay, so before we dig into our topic and, and this history and everything, you know, Kim, what's your, what's your kind of relationship with witches? Like, what's your take on witches? I love witches. Um, and I think, like, I don't know if I'm going to call it my witch, uh, witch obsession, but, like, I guess our appreciation definitely started during The Crucible by Arthur Miller and Sabrina the Teenage Witch. Like, I grew up in the witches are cool era. So, and also, I, so I was, like, trying to, like, be different because like witches were different you know and didn't give a fuck what anybody thought about them um so i definitely tipped my toe in like the wicca world i did a few spells i did a prosperity spell and i found 50 bucks in like two weeks like just all over like the city and my high school like money is just like lying on the ground so i still don't know if it actually worked or if it just made me more observant because like money is on the floor all the time like i would go to bars in college and like write near the bar there is money on the floor because drunk people drop money do you remember that time i found 150 dollars on the floor of barnes and noble no yeah cash and i had to put it in the safe for a month but then no one claimed it so i got 150 nice i wouldn't have told anybody i would have immediately put that in my pocket i mean it was so much that i was like if it were me i would be oh, if so someone upset. came back looking for it like hey mm, yeah i guess that's fair but um, it but sat like there said, for a month and it was mine at the end of that month <laughs> money is on the floor all the time mm -hmm. um so i don't know if it was an actual spell working or me just being like observant to right because you were conscious of thinking yeah of i'm that. conscious of, i did this spell like i'm conscious of it so i don't know which one it actually was but besides the 50 bucks it made me think about like nature more and literally the way everything we do has an effect on the world so and i think that's that's, that's really fair and that's one of those things i think i learned from doing this research was that like it's not necessarily about the spell itself it's more about mm -hmm. that engagement you know and the intention yeah I mean, witches have never really played a big part in my life um, in terms of like, even in pop culture, like, yeah, there were stories with it. It was my very first Halloween costume. Um, I think, I think it was my first Halloween. It might've been my second. I will share a picture um, I was about to ask. put on the Instagram. I was the very cutest witch ever. Aww. Like it was 
So adorable. Um, I actually still have the cape. And, you know, back then it came all the way down to my ankles and now it comes to my, like, my butt. <laughs> so it's really cute. Um, you know, but like, I will say that, well, I didn't really give much thought to witches, generally speaking. I, as I got older, I did start thinking about them a little bit differently. Like, thinking about how like witches and the label of witch was really just like the patriarchy and fear of women having power mm-hmm. that was like putting this label on these women. And so like now if I'm watching something with witches, I'm generally rooting for the witches because yeah. they're mostly they're misunderstood. And if they're not misunderstood, they're just trying to like gain some, some agency back. <laughs> so yay for witches. All right, let's get into um, the origins, right? So the origins of witches and witchcraft likely run parallel to the origins of human history when the lines between the ideas of mysticism, religion, and medicine were often blurred. I mean, think about it, though. Like, what is pharmacology and, like, medicine making? But it's, like, the same thing as making potions, right? Don't like they even use, like, a pestle and... Yeah! Right? Yeah. Is that what it's called? Yeah, the mortar and pestle. Mortal and pestle. Okay, yeah. 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 Well, I mean, it makes sense, right, that that would sort of be the progression. And Mm -hmm. if we go back in history, most early human cultures believed in magic. And they liked this idea of magic, but they also feared its misuse. So I thought it'd be good if we started out doing the quick rundown of ancient beliefs in magic and witchcraft around the world. Like... I honestly think we could dig into each of these a lot more, but for the sake of time, we'll just do like a quick rundown. A little overview. So let's talk about ancient Mesopotamia. You haven't thought about that since eighth grade, any of you, have you? <laughs> so even before the word witch existed, the concept was there. In ancient Mesopotamia, cultures believed in the divine, the evil eye, so like a look that bestows bad luck on its target. And even the idea that malevolent actions by those who could control magical forces could lead to sickness. So let's talk about ancient Babylon. The Old Testament mentions King Nebuchadnezzar seeking help of magicians, enchanters, and astrologers to help interpret his dreams and help him predict the future. In 1750 BCE, King Hammurabi establishes a code that states, if a man has accused another of laying a spell upon him, but he has not proven it, the accused shall plunge into the sacred river. And if the sacred river shall conquer him, the accuser shall take possession of the accused house. Fun. I do like that it's centered on men, though, here. <laughs> I, I mean, mean, I feel like that's all they had, right? Or they, they didn't consider they women at all. <laughs> yeah, that's all they acknowledged. But it also I'm, might just be a lost in translation thing. Maybe. I have questions about the sacred river. What else was getting plunged in here? Like, <laughs> how clean was this water? Was this where people drank? Like, they got there, like... They drank, they peed, they washed themselves. <laughs> All in one. Gross. <laughs> so, to prevent intentional false accusations, he did this... He did have a clause stating, If the sacred river shall show the accused innocence, he is saved. This accuser shall be put to death. <laughs> so, basically, like, don't accuse people who know how to swim. <laughs> If you know someone doesn't know how to swim, go for it. (laughs) So if you were like, that Michael Phelps guy totally put a spell on me. And Michael Phelps was like, bet, now you're dead. Because he's going to beat this river. He's going to beat the river. Yeah. Let's move over to ancient Egypt. So 
again, we're talking about this word witch and how it might not have always existed. And there wasn't a word for witch in ancient Egypt, but the society was steeped in magic and had beliefs and practices that, you know, today we might connect with witchcraft. So Egyptians believed in something called Heka, which we could equate to magic. This was created by the god Ra and used by pharaohs, priests, and even common people. It was considered a positive force, but could be misused to curse people as well. So, you know, every, like, that's sort of that yin and yang mentality. It's got good, it's got bad. You take the bad, and then you have the facts of of life. (laughs) (laughs) The facts of witchcraft. Okay. In ancient Egypt, there were spell books and amulets. Two common amulets were a scarab and the eye of Horus, both meant to represent good health. And fun fact that I came across was that the symbol for prescription, you know, that RX that Mm -hmm. we see, that actually comes from the visual of the Eye of Horus. So if you like compare what the Eye of Horus looks like. That's funny. Yeah. And the scarab is like a beetle, right? Yeah. Like like the one in Blue Beetle. Oh, yeah. The mummy too. um, Actually, the scarab in Blue Beetle comes from Babylon, not Egypt. So, but same concept. And then we're moved to ancient Greece. In Greece, we have the Greek goddess Hecate. I think I'm saying that right. You are. Okay. <laughs> I knew uh, that from all my, my spell casting. She's very popular. Yes. Yeah. Yes. I did come across <laughs> her name quite a bit. Um, mm-hmm. She's usually depicted as what we would consider a witch. Uh, texts would often depict her teaching human sorcery and potion making. We also have the Greek goddess Circe, uh, who is seen as a practitioner of witchcraft and this is really fun. We just talked about this in my class this week because we read uh, a graphic novel called The Low, Low Woods. And there's a character in there named Cersei. And we were talking about like how in books, if someone has a name, it often means something. It's not just mm-hmm. like, you know, in real life. Um, so I was like, oh, I know this reference now because of the witchcraft. <laughs> like I, I didn't learn about ancient Greece in school at all. Um, really? Yeah, I think because like I moved... One- Oh, okay. I moved a lot. So was it like sixth grade, middle schoolish? Yeah. Yeah. So I went to two different schools in sixth grade. And by seventh grade, I was in a third school. Like Mm. I moved around a lot. So I think wherever my town, like whatever town I was in, they covered it at a different point. And so I just missed it completely. You missed Greek week. Yes. I told you about all the tales and you had to like get a big book that had like, all why, the gods. That's and why it was I awesome. never joined a sorority. You're better off. But uh, <laughs> it, it made me like, I was into like Hercules and Xena at that time. So there was already like, kind of like. Well, this at, like, book talks about Xena too. So it's all It's connected. awesome. I was very into Greek week at my school. <laughs> well, this Greek goddess Cersei, she's also uh, seen as a practitioner of witchcraft. And in Homer's Odyssey, he calls her an enchantress and describes her as beautiful and seductive. But as someone who could, and I love this, right, unman you, make you fit for nothing. And I love that for her. (laughs) Oh, we should bring that whole phrase back, unman you. (laughs) We should do an episode on Cersei. (laughs) Is that, so there's like a book now that my book club was supposed to read and I didn't read it. Is that the same person? Is that the same? I think so. I think it's based on that that character. I don't think it's like a, a real life account no <laughs> I mean, she's a no. goddess she's not like but i mean i think it's a a very fictionalized narrative it's not just yeah. like facts about what people believed mm-hmm. that's what i that's what i was trying to say because obviously 
Never mind. Okay. Um, anyway, in Greek culture, the lines between medicine, magic, and religious beliefs often overlapped and intersected, and many ordinary people practice magic. So we're noticing a trend here, like in a lot of these cultures, that it's not just for like priests or people with power, but like common mm-hmm. folks used it as well. Yeah. So in ancient Rome, many of the Roman beliefs came from Greek culture. So there was a good amount of belief in magic there, too. Magic was everywhere in Rome, but people were very weary of its, mis- of its misuse. Romans believed in the evil eye and, the, and that physical ailments were the result of such dark magic. In 331 BCE, BCE, what does that be? What's yeah, BCE? actually, that's a good point. We should, we should mention that, right? Because I think a lot of people BC. have heard of BC, yeah. um, which is like before Christ, right Uh bce is a more secular way of addressing it and it stands for before Mm. common era oh i like that better yeah me too i don't like the involvement of christ right necessarily (laughs) um i do like that better (laughs) just collapsed into i don't like i don't like the unnecessary inclusion of christ (laughs) i mean there are times where he might be necessary but most times not like most like times, when you're talking about witches like when you're talking about reproductive rights oh yeah that, that's that's a too real for that's another real. podcast or another episode but like sometimes jesus needs to stay in his lane which is not this i don't think jesus even wanted to be in this lane i think people shoved him into this lane they like they took True. the car and they like pushed him over and <laughs> the car yeah they the drove chariot. him into the other lane <laughs> It was a chariot. There were no cars back then. <laughs> Details. Um, so now that we know what BCE stands for, in 331 BCE, 170 alleged witches were all executed because several rich Roman citizens fell ill during a famine. And all these people were thought to have caused it, you know, like they do. Yeah. Yeah. Like they do. In ancient China, they had sorcerers, or Wu. They were thought to be able to speak with the dead and interpret oracles. They acted as healers, but there's still a concern of them using dark magic at this time. One example of the supposed dark magic was when Emperor Wu of Han thought that his wife was using witchcraft against him. He had just taken up with another woman, and the Empress Chen Zhao was not happy. She turned to a Wu, where she supposedly learned dark magic. None of it worked, but word got back to the Emperor, and while he didn't kill her, he did call for the death penalty for anyone caught using dark magic. The investigation in this led to the death of over 300 individuals. That's huge, right? And I want us to, we're going to talk about Salem in a little bit, of course, but I Mm. want us to just, I think that's the one everybody thinks of when they think about people being killed for witchcraft. There were only like somewhere between 18 and 25 deaths in the Salem witch trials. So this Mm. is like exponentially more. That's a huge number. And all because like this dude cheated on his wife. Yeah, well, I mean, he was allowed to because he was the emperor and he could take like a concubine, of course. I guess, but like, yeah, dude, I don't know. Exactly. Deal with your consequences. Mm-hmm. Like, you made the rules, but like, deal with your consequences. And it wasn't even like anything that his wife was doing had worked. She was just mad yeah. and trying things. And he was like, well, how dare you try to kill me? I'm I wonder gonna... if divorce wasn't allowed then. No, it definitely would not have been allowed. Oh, I, I mean, I can't like... imagine. I, I could I be wrong. Go. I could be wrong. She's I'm not an expert on ancient China. <laughs> I just feel like that could be like acceptable grounds, right? Be like, she has a voodoo doll of me. Like she's trying to kill me. Right. Like, and he's I mean, the emperor. she could do it even if you weren't together. So like, what does it even matter? 
Facts. Just die. <laughs> <laughs> He's the emperor. He could be able to make the rules. And of course, this is this is the route he chose to take. It's giving me um Henry the Eighth, but like Yes. Okay. But with- Oh, why do we let men be in power? <laughs> <sighs> All right. Well, let's talk about one more ancient culture um before we move into a little more contemporary examples little more contemporary so in ancient japan practitioners of shinto believed in kami or spirits whose power could be harnessed and used by humans now kami reflected a mixture of positive and negative qualities and required balance or else those kami would focus their wrath on you right Um, so basically you wanted to keep balance in the world so that there was no wrath by these kami um and those who could manipulate the kami were considered basically akin to witches when we move to like a little bit out of these ancient cultures and um into like the the common era i guess if you will we can look at the monotheistic religions and witchcraft let's talk about jewish authorities first now jewish authorities recognize witchcraft but they considered it a form of idolatry, which was prohibited by the first commandment, right? You should have no other gods besides me. Mm-hmm. In the first century BCE, Rabbi Simeon ben Shatak sentenced 80 so-called witches to death in one day. Goddamn. Mm-hmm. You know, again, uh, I mean, yes, the Salem witch trials were terrible and let's not downplay that, but like... yeah. But, like, the loss of life from, like, alleged witchcraft is not a new thing. Right. Exactly. In the first century CE, again, common era, Christian leaders followed Jewish prohibitions of witchcraft and told converts that they had to burn any spell books they were in possession of. While Christianity did not believe in magic in general, they did, as they want to do, making exceptions for natural and demonic magics. You know, like magic, you can't do magic, but there is magic. One of the earliest Christian murders of a so-called witch took place in 45 CE when a mob pulled the philosopher and mathematician Hypatia from her carriage and beat her to death. Cool, cool, cool. Islam arose in the 7th century CE and was also hostile to many forms of magic. Like Judaism, they saw it as idolatry. The Quran refers to magic as deception and calls magicians mischief makers. So across those three religions, there's always been that rejection of witchcraft. Mm-hmm. So let's talk about medieval magic and witchcraft. So much of what we think when we think of witches comes from the Middle Ages. So think like pointy hats, broomsticks, potions, female sexuality, you know, that sort of thing. So one example of a medieval witch is Morgan Le Fay from the legend of King Arthur. She's described as being beautiful and being able to shapeshift and fly. She's seen as a good witch and uses her power to ha- uses her powers to help Arthur. However, later depictions have her seen as a treacherous sister who's who used her magic and sexual powers to convince good men to do her evil bidding. I wonder why it changed. I'll give you three guesses and the first two don't count. <laughs> Maybe men? Maybe Some men. Some dude was just like, mm, you're giving her too much power. I mean, like, she can clearly. fly and shapeshift, which means she's deceiving you, right? The shapeshifting I mean, is deception, so you must be uh, treasonous and treacherous and but terrible. But it sounds like she was shapeshifting to like help him. I mean, agreed, but men mm. oh, 
<laughs> During ancient times, witchcraft had been seen to hold both positive and negative qualities. It was practiced by both men and women. But by the end of the medieval period, it was mostly only women who were accused of witchcraft and the practice was seen as evil. Even after the fall of the Roman Empire, the Catholic Church still had a stronghold. While in the 6th century they allowed for other religious practices to continue, by the 14th and 15th centuries, they were actively persecuting accused witches. So basically, it's not just men, but it's specifically like religious men. Mm-hmm. Fun. What did I say about Christ again? <laughs> <laughs> so let's talk about the Inquisition. That's a Spanish one, right? I mean, no one expects the Spanish Inquisition. Or, But this is my favorite. Okay, so everyone always says that one. Like, no one expects the Spanish Inquisition, which I don't think is exactly what the line is, but it's close. But there's a, a video about Don Quixote that I used to teach my students. I'd show it to them in class every semester. And there was this line. And as I was, like, going over these notes and stuff, and I was like, the Inquisition. And it just pulled up this line, and they say... These were the days of the Spanish Inquisition. And that's like their transition. <laughs> anyway, this Inquisition. It's not just it's not just Spanish. Yes, the Spanish have a huge role in it, but it is more of like the Catholic Church's Inquisition. Mm, okay. So the Inquisition where everybody had a part of it. So anyway, it was in the 14th century when Pope John the 22nd, however many X's that is. So he told the Inquisitioners to proceed against witches and sorcerers by whatever means available. And a few years later, he officially declared witchcraft heresy. Witch hunting reached an all-time high in the 15th century with a series of trials in Switzerland that killed nearly 400 people. Holy wow. shit. Wow. Again... Those numbers are huge. They're so big. Like, and Switzerland. Like, like, who thinks of Switzerland like that? I don't know. I, f I feel like they're just making bread, minding their business. But I mean, there is there is like a colony, like a not a colony, but there's like a there's a neighborhood in Uruguay that is like mm -hmm. full of Swiss immigrants, like a bunch of people left Switzerland because they're being persecuted, and they went to Uruguay. So maybe there's a, I don't know if it's this early on, but maybe, maybe there's a connection there. Where is Midsommar set? Because maybe the Swiss aren't so innocent. Uh, you Midsommar? know what? That's a good question. I don't know. Do you think I, I saw that? <laughs> Do you not like scary movies? I don't know. We never, I don't think we've ever had this conversation. I like psychological scary movies. This is psychologically scary. This is okay. psychologically scary. Okay. I would. I also I mean, just don't gravitate towards movies unless they're in the theater. And even then, I have a it limited was. budget. Oh, okay. So. But I was going to recommend, so when we got like our giant new TV, because my husband was like, we need a bigger TV. And I'm like, okay, cool. I was like, damn, this TV is vibrant. Like the colors are insane. And I was like, I need to watch Midsommar on this TV because it's like, there's like florals and like there's a big, beautiful blue sky. And I was like, okay, I need to watch it. And it did not disappoint. It looks amazing on my TV. So if you want to come over and watch Midsommar, um, absolutely can. It might be about Swedish people in a cult. Well, Swedish know. and Swiss are different. <laughs> <laughs> You'd be that person. I saw, I saw this TikTok the other day that was like, if you think you're having a bad day, just know that there's a counter in some Austria, airport in Austria, Austria and Australia. Yes. <laughs> People thought they were going to Australia. 
that's actually really, really funny. I don't think I'm that bad, but... No, hopefully if you were actually going there, you would know where you were going. <laughs> because I was like Swiss, Sweden, Swa. Switzerland. Yeah. It's not the same. It's not. They're all like very white people. <laughs> I mean, they do have that in and common. And tall. So like... I stand by my statement. Come at me, Swiss or Switzerland or Sweden. All of you, come at me. They probably won't. I feel like they're pleasant. <laughs> they probably are. Our Norwegian <laughs> listeners will get a kick out of it, though. There's a rivalry between Sweden and Norway. <gasps> Is there really? Oh my God. Yeah. They're probably just like this dumb American. You're right. You're right. I apologize. Watch Midsommar was like set somewhere, comp- not even related to any of these places. <laughs> any of them. Anyway, I gotta go. So what were we talking about? All the people that were killed in Switzerland, nearly 400 of them. But unfortunately, it didn't stop there. Between 1500 and 1660, up to 8,000 suspected witches were put to death in Europe. About 80% of them were women. Hmm. Mm. clearly shocker (laughs) telling uh so germany executed the highest number of people while ireland killed the lowest number of all the european nations yay ireland i I guess guess, but like germany is like listen we're just uh, the un (laughs) is gonna shut down this podcast because i'm over here just being reckless with my words but like germany has always been a problem and they're just like out here killing all these people i get they're just like we're not taking chances we're just murdering people but that seems insane yeah like, what did that do to their population? Like, what did that do to their, like, everyday population? Like, that seems insane that you would kill so many people off of, I think you might be a witch. I mean, look at the world now. We kill people for, in mass numbers for, yeah, bowling. So, <clears throat> yeah. yeah. This is the most cheerful podcast we're going <laughs> to listen to all week, everyone. <laughs> you were like, oh, witches, this will be fun. They're going to talk about Harry Potter. No, death. <laughs> Oh, well, all of these deaths might have had a connection to a little publication from 1486 called Malleus Maleficarum. This book, usually translated as the Hammer of Witches, was basically a how-to guide on identifying, hunting, and interrogating witches. Cool. The book labeled witchcraft as heresy and was a go-to for Protestants and Catholics alike for trying to flush out witches who lived among them. And Mm. it was a big seller, too. Right? Like for over a hundred years, it was the second best selling book in Europe. And what was first? The Bible. So first the Bible, then the Killing Witches book. I mean, they're all written by the same people. And so. they're all about like women not having agency or power. So. <laughs> so the common forms of execution included burning at the stake or hanging. It was generally single women, widows, and other women on the margins of society who were targeted. Again, telling. No, it totally is, right? Because, and especially with widows, right? The whole thing with widows is like, you can't shame them the way you would shame a young, unmarried, virginal woman. Yeah, because like they were married and like due to circumstances, they no longer are. Mm -hmm. There's like some power that they have that men Mm -hmm. want to take away because they have have agency that they wouldn't have otherwise. I just think that it's so telling that like, and maybe this is why it continued for so long, but like you really needed a man to protect you in certain circumstances. Like not having a husband might mean that you were thought to be a witch and like hung somewhere or hanged. Like you needed a man to protect you. And Mm -hmm. I feel like that may be why 
it lasted so long. And like now we're getting to a point where like women are like, oh, no one's going to burn me at the stake or I have my own job. Like I don't need a man to protect me anymore. And that's why they all have podcasts and they're mad about it. (laughs) Well, as witch hysteria was decreasing in Europe, it found a new home in the Americas. But before we get into the most famous witch trials in the Americas, we wanted to mention a couple of other cases. So... This is the, the first one that ended in execution. Took place in Windsor, Connecticut in 1647. Elsie Young was the first person in the colonies to be executed for witchcraft. And over the next 50 years, 46 people were accused of being witches in Connecticut and 11 of them were killed. So in Boston in 1688, Anne Glover was tried and executed for witchcraft after her boss, John Goodwin's daughter, accused Glover's daughter of stealing laundry whatever laundry (laughs) i mean look if you're not paying them enough to be able to make and buy their own clothes then yeah they might steal your laundry but imagine being like i'm taking you to court because you stole my socks like that just seems like so ridiculous i mean people do it over loaves of bread for like kids who are living out of their out of their parents cars right true no you're exactly right Mm -hmm. so when uh, John Goodwin's children fell ill and the doctor diagnosed them as being bewitched. Yeah, because like that's science, right? Bewitched, right? That's definitely like, you know, you've got measles, mumps, bewitchment. All sorts of whatever fuckery was going on in 1688. But I mean, they didn't know. They were just like, oh, I have a cold. That means that someone has cursed my entire bloodline. Yeah, you know? obviously. Like- so Glover was accused. Uh, she was the last person to be executed for witchcraft in Boston on November 16th, 1688 in the lower Norfolk County, VA. That's where my family is from. Yay. It's so funny because like <laughs> I know I know that. But at the same time, because you've always lived in New York, like it just it's a yeah. a. I don't always keep that in my head. I'm like, oh, yeah, no, right. Like, <laughs> my grandma moved here in like the 30s. And then just, like, didn't go back. Like, she was the only one who, like, left for uh, Norfolk County. But, like, so, like, every family reunion is in Norfolk County. And I don't Well, thanks to go. your grandma, because otherwise we wouldn't have this podcast. Because we never exactly. would have met. And, oh, I would live in Virginia. What would, what would Virginia can be like? I don't like, I don't want to think about it. I'm going to um, leave all that gap in there. <laughs> Just a picture of me staring off into the space, thinking about how probably sad my life would be if I grew up in Virginia, mm-hmm. like never left Virginia. Yeah. Again, all the states are going to come for us. I'm sorry, Virginia. <laughs> You're probably lovely. But like, honestly, I don't I don't know how culture whatever. Anyway, so in Norfolk County, Virginia, around two dozen witch trials took place between 1626 and 1730. None of the accused were killed, and Virginia even had a law in place that made it a crime to falsely accuse someone of witchcraft. So, way to go, Norfolk County. Yeah, I guess that slows the numbers, right? Because it kind of going back to that river thing that we had way back in ancient wherever. Um, yeah. Like, it's a similar concept where you would be the one who was tried if mm-hmm. the person was found innocent. Yeah. So one of the most famous witch trials in Virginia was that of Grace Sherwood in 1706. So her neighbors blamed her for the dying of their pigs and their cotton product decreasing. To test whether or not she was a witch, they bound her arms and her legs and threw her in the water. So basically, they decided if she sank, she was innocent. But if she floated, she was guilty. Never mind that, like, if she sank, she would also die. But like, hey, logic. So Grace did not sink. 
So because of that, she was convicted of being a witch and imprisoned for eight years. But my question is, why didn't she sink? Because she humans wearing, float. Like, a puffy life vest? No, we float. I feel like you would sink at first. I guess I need to know the official rules of this. Like, I feel like you sink at first, but then you come back up, don't well, you? Well, yeah. I like, if you fall in a pool, you don't just start floating automatically. Right, but if you sink and you start choking on water, then you just keep sinking because you die. But, like, if mm. you can... <laughs> if you can, like... Yes. Yeah. But, know. like, I wonder if they put her in the water and she sank and then she came back up and they were like oh that's a witch yes like she didn't just start that's fl- my like, guess that's, that's my guess it's like <laughs> of course you're gonna sink a little bit but then you would fl- i mean i guess i don't understand did they try this with a regular person who wasn't a witch and say hey let's see if you float because why would you not float like we're made of water like i don't understand <laughs> Maybe if you're just a really bad swimmer. I mean, honestly, they bound her arms and legs. So if you couldn't push yourself back up to the surface, I don't know. I don't know, but it's ridiculous. I don't, I just don't understand. The logic is just not there. Yes. I would. I want. I wish there was videotape of this. All right. So now what you all have been waiting for, let's start talking a little bit about the Salem Witch Trials. Well, witch trials took place across the colonies in what would become the United States. Probably the best known witch trials globally were the Salem witch trials in Salem, Massachusetts that took place in 1692. So what was the catalyst for these trials, right? You know, just a couple of kids who had likely ingested some sort of poisonous fungus that caused spasms and delusions. So you've got nine-year-old Elizabeth Paris and 11-year-old Abigail Williams, and suddenly they start suffering from fits, body contortions, and uncontrolled screaming. Like you do. Or you're just 11 and an asshole. I mean, that's possible, too. (laughs) We'll talk about that when we get to spiritualism. But it didn't stop there. Other women started to show similar symptoms causing a mass hysteria. Clearly, someone must be doing this to them on purpose, right? I mean, yeah. Couldn't be that they were eating mushrooms that were poisonous in the land that was largely unknown to European colonizers. Or maybe that, like, some dude was drugging them. It had to be witches, obviously. As a result of these young girls and women's symptoms, three women were accused of witchcraft. Sarah Good, Sarah Osborne, and Tichaba, an enslaved woman owned by Paris's father. So Tichaba confessed. But again, I would like to know the circumstances of this confession. As an enslaved woman, I'd put my money on her being tortured into confessing. Mm -hmm. But, like, what do I know? (laughs) So, like, on topic, off topic, history books and films have her race kind of all over the place. So, historians have finally narrowed it down. So, Tichiba was an indigenous child who was abducted and then sold into slavery. She was shipped to Barbados. So, between the ages of, like, 12 and 17, she was bought and made her way to the colonies to maintain the household for the Paris family. As okay, slave, okay. Basically. So, she was originally from America and then got, like... So, she, like... I know, like, in the movie The Crucible, like... She's got this thick Caribbean accent, which she might have had because she was in Barbados for a number of years. She confessed, and then she started to accuse others of black magic as well. Again, was she tortured into naming these other women? Like, I'm I have sure. questions. Yeah. On June 10th, 1692, Bridget Bishop became the first woman accused of witchcraft to be put to death during the Salem witch trials. She was hanged. And when all was said and done, approximately 150 people were accused of witchcraft and at least 18 were put to death. But women weren't the only victims, as at least six men were also convicted and executed, but it was definitely primarily women who were targeted. 
so let's talk about how the media reacted to the idea of witches. So I want to chat about the good people of Salem for just a little bit longer, since this is one of the first and the biggest mentions of witchcraft in America. Yeah, I think that's a good idea. So people outside of the town of Salem, aka the media, didn't see magic and most saw this for what it was, group frenzy. One author, Elizabeth Gaskell, wrote a novella called Lois the Witch in 1859. It was based on the Salem witch hunts and depicted how jealousy and sexual desire can lead to hysteria. Gaskell was inspired by the story of Rebecca Nurse, who was executed. So we mentioned the first three women who were accused of witchcraft. They were Sarah Good, Sarah Osborne, and Tichaba. But why, right? So Sarah Good was an unhoused beggar who the town hated because, you know, she was poor and people... Don't typically like poor people. No. Even to this day. Like, you can see it. Like, call me a bleeding heart liberal, but like, you can see it. People don't like poor people. Mm-hmm. So Sarah Osborne was either disabled or she suffered from a mental illness. And again, people love this group of people, right? Oh, totally. Yeah. Yep. No persecution ever. Exactly. Sarcasm. <laughs> yeah. Finally, we have Tichiba, an, ins- an indigenous slave. These three women became the scapegoats for the town's issues. They were defenseless and disempowered women, making them easy targets with no one willing to stand up and defend them. I think that's that's the key bit, right? Like they don't have mm-hmm. if you accuse like the governor's wife of witchcraft, oh, yeah. like mm, that's going to be her a little friends harder. would rally around. All the politicians would rally around because you can't accuse rich people of things. Exactly. That's, Not people with like well, notable. Well, some things never change. Exactly. No, you know what? It fucking doesn't. And it's really, really sad that no one ever learns from history. Yeah, like, it's infuriating. I, I yeah. agree. These women were victims, right? But they were viewed as villains by the public. This is a huge theme with basically every witch that we're going to discuss today. So let's start with something that we've covered before. The Great Sea Witch Ursula, created by Hans Christian Andersen. Ursula was an earlier prototype for the trope of the villainous witch. So, like, just to recap, if you missed that one, which you shouldn't have because you're such a, an awesome listener, you remember this one. But anyway, so Ursula is the villain from The Little Mermaid. She was cast out of her home and exiled by her brother, the king. She lives alone. She practices witchcraft. And some of her other characteristics include she has no children and seems to dislike them. Wait, that's me. Oh, no. Oh, no. I'm a witch. <laughs> She is not attracted by society standards. I mean, I'll put myself in that category again. All right. Really? Which, which point number two for me? Thank you. I mean, when have thin white women not been hot by society <laughs> standards? I'm sorry. Don't when they're sell 40, yourself short. When they're 42 and wear glasses. <laughs> okay. Fair. <laughs> Fair. Okay. So she's also vain and hypersexual. Uh, that that's okay that's not me <laughs> that's oh man this listen we have two more points and i think that it might be you um, okay she's knowledgeable about some things yes okay I, I can be a witch here too lastly she puts herself first and craves power wait a minute <laughs> okay sometimes yes but you Guys, know what I think rebecca is a witch i am definitely a witch <laughs> I just need to get hypersexual and I'll be, I'll hit all the points. <laughs> uh, anyway, yeah. I mean, Ursula does fit that really, really well. And mm-hmm. it is like giving that to kids right from the get go or not even kids, but like having that be the stories that are being passed down. It's like indoctrination. Exactly. It's a young age indoctrination to be like, hey, this is what's bad in society. Now, you know tiny child Mm -hmm. don't be this way 
And it's a reason why those things are are, depict, are depicted and given to children. Like, oh yeah, absolutely. They're not low about things like that. Fables, tales like that are all very intentional. They're all cautionary tales. Um, early depictions of the witch showcase most of these characteristics, right, that you just mentioned. And in her article titled A Literary History of Witches, Jess Bergman writes, And while there is a broad spectrum of witch stories out there, there is a through line common to them all. Witches are women whose embodiment of femininity in some way transgresses society's accepted boundaries. They are too old, too powerful, too sexually aggressive, too vain, too undesirable. In short, they don't fit in and they must be persecuted. So how do we persecute someone in American society? We cast them as a villain and we take away their agency. One of the earliest times we see this is in 1623 with the Weird Sisters in the Shakespearean play Macbeth. While they were not the main villains, they were lumped in there with Lord Macduff as someone looking to cause Macbeth harm. So who were the Weird Sisters, right? If you don't remember high school English. I don't remember how to read that one. Macbeth? I had, so I took a Shakespeare class, so I had like options of which I wanted to read. And I didn't read Macbeth. I read Othello instead. I think I read Hamlet. Mm, we read, I read that too. Um... So they have a villain's Wikipedia page, which I feel is wrong, but it exists. Their page describes them as a trio of witches who reveal to Macbeth his destiny to be king of Scotland, driving him to become a tyrant. They are portrayed by various actors in film and theatrical adaptations, but always women. So the Weird Sisters tell Macbeth the future and give him a prophecy. They tell Macbeth that he will become king, that no man born of woman can defeat him, and that he will not be vanquished until Brainham Wood would come to Dilsinane. All of which turns out to be true. Yeah, so Macbeth interprets this information poorly and thinks that he can overcome and change the info they gave him. Trying to do so turns him into a power-crazy asshole, and he fails. Shocker. Who did the literary world blame? Well, of course, the sisters, because by giving him the info, they sent him on his path. You know, or Macbeth is arrogant and causes his own downfall. Um, we're on the side of the weird sisters, so I root for the second one. Exactly. Like, it, you can't be mad at me because I gave you information and you, like, did what you wanted with it. Mm-hmm. So over the years, the idea that witches are not to be trusted hasn't eased, but evolved. Witches started to be portrayed as over-sexual and looking to use their sexuality to manipulate men. In the Arthur Miller play The Crucible, Abigail Williams is the closest thing that we get to a witch. She is manipulating her town and spreading religious hysteria. So let's say she bewitched John Proctor once they had their affair. But once the spell or his loss has run its course, Abigail seeks revenge that ends up getting several innocent women executed. By the time the 1960s roll around, witches are being domesticated. In the TV show Bewitched, a man named Darren finds out that his wife Samantha is a witch. Overwhelmed, he demands she stop casting spells. The show follows their hijinks as Samantha tries and fails to give up magic and lead the life of a typical suburban housewife. In the article, Why Samantha Stevens of Bewitch Deserved a Better Husband by Afia Augustine, the author points out some key issues with this situation. They write, It's one thing to ask your wife not to practice magic around guests or business partners who didn't need to see that side of her, but it's another thing to be annoyed at your wife for being who she is, even in her home. She goes on to say, to make matters worse, not only did he request that Samantha deny who she was both in public and private, but he also didn't 
even think to change his mentality about witches, despite being married to one. I feel like there's some sort of like racial or cultural symbolism in that concept, but. Pro- I wonder, because I feel like in the 60s, it was like, were they like that, like woke to like put stuff like that in? Probably not. Or I don't know, like, or, or are we just reading I think, into it? I with, think like, I'm reading into views? it, but. <laughs> I mean, no, so am I. But like, I, it's it's really hopeful to be like, oh, maybe that maybe this is what that person meant. But like, they probably didn't. Yeah, I mean, we don't know what Bewitch was trying to say. I mean, maybe it was that women were powerful and shouldn't let a man snuff that out or that women have talents that far surpass what is assumed of them by men around them. Or maybe they just didn't put much thought into it. But I like being able to read things into media. So um, yeah, I'll consider both of those options. Put your own spin on it. So Bewitch was a softer and much more gentler take on witchcraft. Samantha showed that she could be beautiful, helpful, and kind. Also that witches could follow the rules that society had set upon them. This theme continued with the 1971 Bedknob and Broomsticks. Love a good Bedknobs and Broomsticks movie. I've never seen it. Is it good? I mean, it's 1971 Disney, like, combining... I think it combines live action and animation, if I remember correctly, but it's one of their live like action ones. Mary so. Poppins. Yeah, a little bit like that. Hmm. All right, so it starred Angela Lansbury. She starts. She stars as a good witch, one who loves children and only uses her powers for good. She doesn't even try and eat those kids. Like she adopts <laughs> them. That's such a like a like a, a shift. Reversal. Yeah, it's a real shift of like what witches looked like. Witches have become more popular than ever, in part because of making them more relatable. Enter the Teen Witch. In her book, Witchcraft and Adolescence in American Popular Culture, Miranda Corcoran writes, The teenage witch is an archetype created in the period just after World War II, just as the teenager was emerging as a new social demographic. Initially, the teen witch functioned as a trope that allowed adults to express their anxieties about adolescent girlhood. So you can kind of think of like Carrie... Like, she's not, she's kind of a witch, but, like, all the fears of, like, being a young girl, like, are put on her in that film. Okay. Book. Yeah. Yeah. Well, since then, the trope has evolved. Now a young woman's magical abilities are allegories for exploring their own fears, insecurities, hopes, and desires. And that's what's cool about the horror genre and, like, spooky genres in general, oh, right? Yeah. The teen witch is someone who's coming of age and learning about themselves in the world. So, for example, let's talk about Willow Rosenberg from Buffy the Vampire Slayer. We learned a little bit about her in our past uh, episode about Dawn Summers. But when we first meet Willow in high school, she's very shy, she's slightly mousy, and she's very afraid to speak up. Through trial and error, she learns more about witchcraft. As she grows more confident in her magical abilities, she grows more confident in herself. She stands up for herself and isn't afraid to take chances. The idea of learning that your strength is in your power is at the core of the teen witch trope. With teen witches, we get a little bit more background so that writers can explain their evil ways. So let's talk about 1996, The Craft, starring Nev Campbell and Feruza Balk. You have four girls, all outsiders, all shunned and persecuted by their high school. They use witchcraft to gain strength and take back their power. So I'm going to ask my favorite question that I think I already know the answer to. Oh, this is why you need to get into spooky season. Because you would have watched all these movies. <laughs> because spooky season, you watch The Craft. You know what? You're going to watch The Craft. We're going to watch it together. Okay. So let's talk, talk more about this. One. I so, will watch a spooky movie with you. 
if you watch a Christmas movie with me. Oh, this is why, you know what? When you're like, I don't care that much about Christmas, you're over there with your Muppets Christmas carols and stuff. You love Christmas. I love certain do. things about it. Mm, okay. I, which Christmas movie? I mean, probably my favorite version of the Christmas Carol, which is Scrooge. It's the musical version. Okay. <laughs> how you feel about autumn is how I feel about Christmas. All right. Yes. No, Fair. no hatred, okay. just indifference. Yeah, just whatever. I think that's a Taylor Swift line. <laughs> it isn't hate. It isn't love. It's just indifference. There you go. Thanks, Taylor. Okay, so let's talk about the craft. So this film allows us to see that all of the girls have trauma. But Nancy specifically is looking to escape and which covers her outlet. So her home life is unstable. Nancy lives in a trailer with her mother and her mother's creepy ass boyfriend. One who starts to stare at her just a little bit too hard. And he actually tries to look up her skirt in one scene. Yeah. I mean, other times he's like pass out drunk. So her mom is sweet, but like helpless against her drunk, abusive boyfriend. So Nancy's formative trauma leads leads her to use her power of the coven to become all-powerful. This is a form of healing for Nancy. Like, first she feared people around her, and then she becomes the one that is feared. Mm -hmm. So I think I'm going to leave Nancy there, because like as I was writing about her, I was like, this would be a great episode, which is why I say that you're going to watch The Craft, so we can do a proper episode on her. So everyone stay tuned. Okay, okay. Pointing out the trauma that might have caused someone to become a villain has become popular, but also validating. With movies like Maleficent or plays and books like Wicked, we can see how different a story is when seen through the witch's eyes rather than through the community that shuns her. These villains aren't evil for the sake of being evil. They're complicated characters whose stories deserve to be heard. So the depictions of witches in the media rely on a small number of cliches. And even in the real world, witches, especially those from the Western world, still struggle with those stereotypes. Capitalism, religion, and the patriarchy, and even science, have all clashed with witchcraft over the years. And in the case of capitalism, even exploited the practice. So, capitalism. shocker. <laughs> I know, right? My favorite fucking topic, I was capitalism. Like, in other lines that, like, I'm glad we're saying, but, like, do they really need to be said? <laughs> right? Always. Like, always. I think people need to understand mm-hmm. how deep capitalism is rooted in everything. Yeah. And how everything you buy, every dollar you spend, says something. And I think people don't think enough about that. And I'm on my fucking soapbox. But I think when people spend all their money on Amazon and they don't spend money in their own communities, they are doing a disservice. You can go buy something on Amazon, get it in two days, but you can also go to your local hardware store or local store and pick that shit up. In like 20 minutes. (laughs) In 20 minutes. And you are giving dollars to people who live in your community, who look like you, who like, it's just... I'm on my soapbox and I shouldn't be. All right, but like, I'm going to take you off. Capitalism, <laughs> take me off my soapbox, please. Take, take away my mic. Okay. I get, stop buying things from Amazon. Shop local, please. <laughs> okay. Um, so dealing with capitalism, I want to start with spiritualism because they are connected. So throughout Europe and the Americas, there was a rise in spiritualism in the mid to late 1800s. And there are countless examples of so-called mediums that insisted they could speak with your loved ones who had passed away. Now, one example of this was the Fox sisters from Rochester, New York. Kate and Margaret Fox claimed that they could communicate with the dead. They got into it at a young age and held on to the story that what they did was real for the most of their lives. Uh, There's a podcast called Rituals that's hosted by, it was like a a short podcast, um, 
like 50 episode run that was hosted by the co-host of and that's why we drink and they talk Mm -hmm. about the fox sisters in that um so definitely go find out find that episode if you want to learn more Anyway, in 1888, at age 55, Maggie confesses that what they did was a hoax. Perhaps it was a joke that got out of hand because they would like knock on the floor. Like, I don't know. There was like a whole thing about like, oh, yeah, we're communicating with the dead and they're knocking on the the walls or something. Mm -hmm. Or maybe it was a way to make a buck or two. But these two women, along with their older sister, Leah, had an important role in the development of spiritualism. So even after Maggie confessed, the practice continued to grow in popularity with believers, including such famous names as Sir Arthur Conan Doyle, Thomas Edison, and even Queen Victoria of England. They were, in addition to the Fox sisters, a number of celebrity spiritualists who would travel around and conduct seances for money. While the practice was so popular, throughout the late 19th century, it reached its peak popularity in the aftermath of World War I with people who wished to contact their loved ones who had died during the war. And that's messed that's up. Sad. Like, like yeah. you're, you're exploiting people's grief. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I was going to go on another rant about capitalism, but that's like (laughs) just really fucking sad to like milk someone's grief so you can like buy a new petticoat or whatever the fuck they bought. (laughs) Well, and it wasn't just um, in spiritualism, right? But Western religions and particularly the Judeo-Christian religions have long had a problem with witches and witchcraft, as we mentioned earlier. But there are many real world witches who see their practice as a religion of sorts. So let's talk about Wicca. Wicca is a form of neo-paganism and can be seen as an attempt to return to pre-Christian rituals and beliefs. It was introduced to the public in the 1950s by a retired British civil servant named Gerald Gardner. Wicca is a duotheistic, earth-centered religion with belief in the triple goddess and the horned god. It's been seen as both a new religious movement and as part of Western occultist traditions. So practitioners follow no formal dogma or set of principles, but instead they gather for seasonal festivals during which they cast spells in ritual purified magic circles. Wicca is often associated with the environment and feminist causes, and practitioners strive to live a peaceful, tolerant, and balanced life in tune with nature and humanity. Their goal is to avoid evil at all costs, and their motto is to harm none. And honestly, I don't know a lot of Wiccans, but like those I do, that is... It describes them to a T. Mm-hmm. So in 1986, Wicca was recognized legally as a religion, and today over 1 million U.S. Americans claim to be Wiccans. That is a larger number of practitioners than there are in the American Presbyterian Church. Yeah, and that's a big deal. Yeah. Beginning in the 1960s with the feminist movement of that era, witches and witchcraft became feminist symbols, and many feminists embraced them, if not in practice, as part of the women's movement. Mary Daly was one of the first feminists to reclaim the word witch, but she was not the only one. The idea was that words like witch that had been used against women were taken back and reappropriated into something more positive. And there was even an organization that used the acronym W-I-T-C-H, and it originally stood for Women's International Terrorist Conspiracy from Hell, which I kind of (laughs) love. That is kind of awesome. But it was later referred to as women inspired to tell their collective history. So this group was established in the 1960s and was made up of feminist anti-war women. They were not practicing Wiccans, but instead they were engaging in political theater around anti-war, civil rights, and women's movement at the time. 
The preparation of witches as images for radical social change contributed to the panic around Satanism and witchcraft potentially targeting children. So that brings us to Satanic Panic. Now, there's a lot to that whole moment in history, and we're not going to delve too deeply here because it takes the focus away from witches too much, but there's definitely other podcasts out there that deal with that subject. We're going to talk about it a little bit more in the next section, but Satanic Panic was a big thing in the 1980s and 90s in North America. Basically, people believed that Satanic cults were preying on children and torturing them as part of Satanic rituals. There were hundreds of false accusations and numerous criminal trials, but there was never any real proof. So the popular role-playing game Dungeons & Dragons, or D&D, was a target of this panic. Basically, people playing the game could decide to adopt the persona of witches or wizards while they were playing. And then also there happened to be a handful of suicides and murders that were committed by people who played the game. So it was an easy leap for sensationalist media. Have you ever played D&D? No. I'm interested. I'm like, I'm slightly curious. I, I, I like the concept of it. I think I feel like there might be too much prep work. Well, but only for the dungeon master is my understanding, right? Because they're the they ones who write, like write a the whole script and a story. Yeah. yeah, and so I think there might be books that you can use, like campaign books. Yes, but then people also like when I finally thought I was like understanding how D and D worked was actually when I mm-hmm. watched Community. Oh yeah, and they do like a thing, but their thing mm-hmm. is not about witches and wizards and like those types of characters it's a little more grounded in the real world Hmm. and i was like okay so you can do this concept but maybe with like because i'm not really big on dragons and stuff like that that no but i like the idea like i'm not big on like fantasy either but i like the idea that you could be like i'm an ogre and i went this way right and like now i use my like mystical spell like did that work and then the campaign person will be like that didn't work and now you're dead like i like the idea yeah also i really like the chris pine dungeons and dragons movie okay all right which like (laughs) i don't know how how hard D&D fans claimed that movie but it was much better than i thought it was gonna be and i was like this could be interesting but i also would need to be like able to tap out if i was like you have too many rules in this game i have to go respectfully <laughs> take my cloak off and slide away from the table. But um, I am interested. I don't know if I'll ever play unless someone like invites me. Yeah. Listeners, if someone has done the work, D&D? invite us. Yeah. Make it super easy. For I've me got a and I cape. We'll play. And a witch hat. I don't think you, I have a witch hat. I actually have a witch hat and a cape hat too. You have a, a cape hat. hat. <laughs> I don't have a cape hat. What is that? I have a, wi- I have a witch hat and a cape. Okay. But I bet if I combined them, I would have a witch hat, witch cape. <laughs> it's, I'm so tired. I love that that whole I'm, that whole statement makes me so happy. Okay. Uh, anyway, hopefully it made somebody happy because it made me look like an idiot. <laughs> anyway, you might be thinking to yourself, we've come so far from the satanic panic of the 1980s. Well, at least I mean. You would think that. It was 40 years ago, but not exactly. So witches, whether self-identified or accused, still face persecution and sometimes even death. Several women and some men suspected of using witchcraft have been beaten and killed in Papua New Guinea in the last decade and a half, including one young mother who was burned alive and accused of infecting men with HIV. 
Similar episodes of violence against people accused, accused of being witches have taken place around the world, including Nigeria, Congo, India, Tanzania, Amazonia, Saudi Arabia, and more. There are even cases that have occurred in different communities throughout Europe and the United States. The truth is, there has never been any hard proof that magical and malevolent witches are real. And while there are plenty of modern-day witches that still perform witchcraft, there isn't anything evil about it. No. Modern-day witches often take their spells and incantations from the Book of Shadows, which is a 20th century collection of wisdom and witchcraft. This book can be basically compared to a prayer book that any other religion might have. In fact, most spells are intended to stop someone from doing evil or harming themselves and others. And modern-day potions are more likely to be herbal remedies instead of hexes intended to cause harm. While some historical witches may have used witchcraft for alleged evil purposes, many have embraced it for healing or protection against the immorality that they were accused of. Okay, and there are two more points we want to make before we move on, right? One, potions are basically old-timey chemistry, right? So you blend together a specific combination of ingredients, and it can be used to cure or harm the person who consumes it. So perhaps the people who died from potions, it, maybe it was like an attempt at a cure that went wrong. Mm-hmm. I mean, or it could have been intentional, but maybe given to save a woman from the harm of a man. Like, oh, here's this potion you can give him, a.k.a. poison, right? Belladonna. There you go. Um, you know, I mean, who knows? Practical magic reference. Who knows, but maybe... <laughs> You've not seen Practical Magic, have you? Stop. Really? Really? (gasps) This podcast should just be renamed Rebecca Disappoints Kim with yet another movie she has not watched. Or we have a spinoff podcast where you give me your impression of a movie based on like whatever you've heard about it and like watching the trailer and then we watch it, and then you tell me what you actually thought. I really like that spinoff podcast idea. Okay, but it has to go both ways. And it won't be it Ted doesn't. Lasso. It will not be <laughs> Ted doesn't. Lasso, I promise. Why does it have to go both ways? Because there's things that I've watched that you have not. It's a, such a smaller pool. No, nah, not if we talk TV. And short TV. Nothing long. Okay. Nothing that's like multi-season kind of thing. Well, if... It only got one season. It's just going to break my heart. You want me to watch Firefly all over again? <laughs> no. Because I know you've seen I that. I won't let it happen again. I've seen Firefly. I loved it. And then they canceled it. And that is a reason why I don't watch a lot of TV shows unless they have multiple seasons. I digress. Okay. Okay, maybe well, you can go. But we'll, we'll discuss this. I did have one other point. Um, and that was that believing in spells for protection is no different than believing in religion for protection. If they're not spells to harm others or that encourage people to harm themselves or others, then there shouldn't be any issues with taking them. Basically, moral of the story is that witches are meant to be feared, right? At least that's what, like, the Brother Grimm's cemented this idea into our heads with Hansel and Gretel, Snow White, the Seven Dwarfs, the Pied Piper of Hamlin, and Rapunzel. The moral of the story was that people, especially children, should be suspicious of anyone who did not conform to societal norms. Not a mother? Suspicious. Not beautiful or trying to be beautiful? Also suspicious. You must be a terrible witch. I am a bad witch. (laughs) In films, we're told that the only women who should be trusted are those submissive in their roles as wives and mothers. Now, they could be good witches because of their desire to have him protect children, like 
think about Glinda, the good witch, uh, and Elphaba, the wicked witch from The Wizard of Oz. So for a more modern example in pop culture, let's look at a movie that Rebecca has never seen. Um, it's the Owen sisters of Practical Magic. So both sisters come from a line of witches, right? Julian is played by Nicole Kidman, and she's the bad witch and the rebel. Meanwhile, her sister Sally, played by Sandra Bullock, is the witch who settled down, had kids. She's even on the freaking PTA. The town views the two very differently. Sally, Sally is trustworthy and kind, while Julian is a temptress who might curse you and steal your husband. While the sisters ignore the townspeople, they totally understand how multifaceted women can be. But some of the audiences like didn't pick that up. <sighs> I love when a movie like that just like people miss the whole point. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. 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 So why is this harmful to women, you ask? Uh, because it's just another way to judge women and then force them to be in a box. It's in an article titled Reexamining the Good versus Bad Girl Binary, author Nadia Hamuda wrote, the good versus bad girl binary designates women as either chaste, pure, innocuous, and sweet, or seductive, promiscuous, feisty, and sour. Good women are attractive, but not particularly sexy, and are excellent wife and mother material. In contrast, bad girls are sexually charged and attractive, and thereby not wifey material. A woman can be either a Madonna or a whore, but nothing in between. And honestly, when you look at like, any film throughout history, like especially in the 20th century, like yeah. you have that like good girl, bad girl and like one's wearing pink and one's wearing black and one's, mm -hmm. you know, like has blonde hair and one has brown hair. Like it, it was so like spelled out and in your face that like one thing was good and one thing was bad. Mm -hmm. And like if you've ever met a woman... There's a lot nope, never in met that one. in between. <laughs> there's so much in that in between. Like, we've got so much shit going on. Uh, forcing us to pick a side just doesn't work. Women can be left feeling like they're failing in some way. The good girl versus the bad girl or good witch versus the bad witch binary also leaves women holding the blame for something that a man has done. When you're a bad girl wearing something too sexy, then of course a man took advantage of you. Or on the flip side, if you're too good of a good girl and you won't sleep with that guy right away, then you might end up alone. And that is also your fault. Definitely. We briefly spoke about the satanic panic craze of the 1980s, but let's go back to it for a minute. This was hurtful to women in a host of ways. The panic actually started around daycare centers. So the conspiracy theory was that daycare workers were witches abusing children. This happened to coincide with women heading into the workforce in record numbers, leaving their children in daycare with strangers. So it's like, oh, you sent your kid to daycare? Well, don't you know? There are witches. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So the first wave of blame went to the mothers who were judged for choosing a career and leaving their children in potential dangerous situations. They were being judged by conservatives and religious groups who both emphasized the nuclear family and traditional air quotes, traditional way of raising children, the mother at home and the father working. Spoiler alert, these are the same people who are still mad about this today. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. In the summer of 1983, a woman in Manhattan Beach, California, accused an employee at McMartin Preschool of abusing her son. The police sent a letter to about 200 families asking for help with their investigation. This letter asked parents to question their children thoroughly. Now you have panicking families interrogating their very small children. The stories they were getting were wild because these are three-year-olds and four-year-olds. And of course they are. 
Anyway. Can I interject super, super quick? Yeah. So I went to a friend's house um, and she's got a two-year-old. And I don't remember how we got on the topic, but we had asked the two-year-old if she had did something and she said, well, if she had fun doing something. And she said, yeah. And her dad was like, she wasn't even there. So then we were like, hey, did you have fun scuba diving? And she was like, yeah. Like she was so excited. And it's like, she wanted to be a part of it. So of course she told us, yeah. And it's like, she didn't go scuba diving. She's two. And I'm not saying that like this kid is a liar, that kids are liars, but like they are excited to be a part of it. And if like, you hype them up they're going to tell you what they want to hear especially when they're that young like these kids were super young and likely there were like leading questions right oh absolutely that's why investigations like this need to be handled by like therapists and not just like upset parents at home yeah yeah because these kids was handled poorly totally because these children were speaking about things like the goat man and Mm -hmm. bloody animal sacrifices like what they were talking about secret underground tunnels, a school employee who could fly. Okay, yeah. And the parents are just sitting there believing it? Like, that's the problem. Um, yeah, and, yeah. And also acts of violence that left no physical trace. Now, some of those things could be very real and, and oh, should absolutely. be taken seriously. And should be investigated, absolutely. But Goatman but, and flying yeah. teachers, like, those those two things straight off the bat, No. Right. Yeah. Animal sacrifices, highly unlikely. Mm-hmm. You don't pay teachers enough to bring their own animal and weapon to school <laughs> to sacrifice. Like they can't even get paper towels. Like, shut up. But it is worth investigating for sure. But you need to investigate it in a way that understands that these are three year olds who, like you said, mm-hmm. just want to be a part of something or want to tell a story that like gets a reaction or whatever. They want to make you happy. Like. I feel like lots of kids are like people pleasers and like they will tell you what will like make you happy or what will be funny. Like it's just, it just seems crazy that like all of this happened based off the words of like two and three year olds. Yeah. And none of the adults use any critical thinking. So the second wave of blame was the women who worked in these daycare centers. Most were lucky to just be shut down by the allegations, but others spent years defending themselves in court. The staff of McMartin Preschool were acquitted after a six-year-long trial. Six years. These kids in the preschool are now like in middle school. Yeah, and probably have recanted a lot of stuff or maybe forgotten all of this had happened. Mm -hmm. But like these people have been uh, seemingly unemployed for six years because, like, they're doing this trial. Like, they might not have been in jail because, like, you can, like, do trials from home, right? Like, if you're out on bail. But, like, what's your life look like for six years of people accusing you of being, like, a child abuser? Well, yeah, you're certainly not working in a preschool. Yeah, what do your lawyer fees look like after six years? So the jury found that there wasn't enough evidence to determine the truth from the children's testimonies and they were let go. (laughs) Yeah. So others weren't so lucky. In 1997, four lesbian women who became known as the San Antonio Four were targeted and wrongfully convicted for child molestation claims. Their trial played out against a resurgence of the satanic panic tied to homophobia in a conservative state. Their fight for justice lasted nearly two decades. All four women spent 15 years in prison before having their convictions overturned in 2015. 2015. Ultimately, it was expunged in 2018. So I stumbled upon, during like some weird insomnia, I stumbled upon this like really heartbreaking documentary of these four women. It's called The Southwest of, Southwest of Salem, The Story of the San Antonio Four. It's on Peacock and Tubi and Amazon. And it is, it's horrible. But like, I think that it's something that you people should see. Like, 
their lives were turned upside down. And a lot of it was because they were Hispanic lesbians. Like people weren't interested in what they had to say and they got accused of stuff and they spent so much time in jail. And yeah, you can like wipe away the record and release them, but like they lost years. Mm-hmm. Well, during the height of satanic panic in the mid eighties, a wave of seminars, tutorials and educational videos for authorities and evangelicals on the subject of recognizing and fighting satanic cults was sweeping the U S anyone who was practicing Wicca couldn't be at least not openly. It was too dangerous Modern witches had to hide their practices, even though this behavior went directly against their pillars. It wasn't until the late 90s and the New Age trend that people started to relax, so much so that witches were popular again. Wicca, once seen as negative or as a cult, was being viewed as a public religion. I feel like... I want to talk about capitalism again for just a hot second. Once people could market like tarot cards and candles and like dream catchers, the new age like thing popped off and like all of a sudden witches were like allowed to practice and and be in the forefront again. Because I do, I really remember like that the new age trend. Mm-hmm. I don't know if you, you oh, were yeah. so you totally do. Yeah, like it was heavy and it was like every, there were crystals everywhere and like, it was awesome, but it was like, oh, now that we're able to make a profit off of this, you can talk about how you read tarot cards. And there it and is. do star charts. Like, that's crazy. Like, you persecuted these women forever, but now that you can make a buck, I guess it's cool. I hate it here. So, now let's talk about positive stuff. So okay, okay, positive, let's do that. <laughs> one of the positive impacts of witchcraft is that there's no wrong way to be a witch. So, there are women from every background, age, social class, ethnicity, and practicing range of rich rituals. Most modern day witchcraft focuses on female empowerment, which we need more than ever right now. Just like points to the government, points to everything. What is it? Gestures vaguely. Yeah. We need female empowerment. Yeah. I mean, witches fight the patriarchy. They fight capitalism and they fight the destruction of nature. So now more than ever, women need group strength. Why not through a coven? So during the Women's March of 2017, signs were spotted with the phrase, we are the granddaughters of the witches you couldn't burn. The line was paraphrased from a 2015 Trish Talner novel, The Witches of Blackbrook. This phrase is now a commonly seen slogan at feminist protests. The witches come to symbolize misogyny's long and overbearing history. The phrase and the mentality tell the world there will be no more witch hunts. Women are becoming a united front and you will not divide us or burn us. Our voices will be heard. So, Rebecca... In this spooky season, we talked about witches. How do you feel? What is your takeaway about witches? So this just like blows my mind being the first one to speak on this, first of all. <laughs> in, in, 50, up. in 54 episodes, it's never happened. And, and I was like, wait, is she going to say final thoughts, takeaways? And there we go. <laughs> um, oh, I didn't say final thoughts, takeaways. You, yeah, but you had your own take on it. And so it works. Okay, well, let me tell you. Uh, Witches have power, right? Or at least that's what men feared. Witch hunts are basically just an excuse to harm a woman without consequence, to pass the blame. It wasn't that a man was at fault. It was that the woman tempted him, of course. Or if a woman would help another woman who didn't want to have a baby, that was evil and and not just medicine. It promoted something other than the church. Evil. Women are trying to make money with tinctures and spells. We can't have that. 
The whole wicked element of witches comes from the unknown and the fear of the unknown or refusal to understand truths and realities. Like, I'm here for the witch in the black hat being labeled as a good witch. I love that. Me personally, like I said before, I grew up on witches, especially like Buffy the Vampire Slayer, Charmed, the original one. I still have not seen the remake. I hear it's okay. Uh, Craft, Sabrina the Teenage Witch, and of course Hermione. But it was really great to see that women could channel like a higher power and be their own problem solvers. Like they didn't go to the cops when something happened. They didn't run to like their dads when something happened. Like they got their spell books, they got their potions and they figured it out on their own. And that's like so noble and so empowering. And I also, I never thought of the word witch as being inherently bad. If anything, I thought it was like super brave of them to try something different to stand out when, even when people would judge them, like even in the craft, like they did some stuff that wasn't great but I never thought they were like the bad ones in the situation. Right. Right. You sympathize with them. Yeah, exactly. So we have a few resources and references for you. Um, Mm -hmm. There's a special edition magazine put out by history or the history channel. I don't know. It's that logo of the history channel, but it just says history. Yeah. I wonder if they shortened it down. Like they're like HBO max. It's just max now. Like, yeah. Are they just history? Maybe. I guess because they're like, this is a magazine. It's not a channel. Yeah. So history. Well, this magazine is called Witches of Past and Present, and it's got a lot of really great stuff in there. Yeah, it is very cool. Uh, Reexamining the Good versus Bad Binary by Nadia Humanda. Modern Witchcraft, Empowerment, Feminism, and Rituals by Kennedy Ryan. The Devil Goes to Daycare, McMartin and the Making of Moral Panic by Mary D. Young. Witch Trials of the 21st Century by National Geographic. The Witch Trope Explained by The Take that's available on YouTube. So let us know what you thought of this episode. Do you have anything to add to the conversation that we might have left out? Or do you have any suggestions for women that we should cover in the future? Follow the podcast on Twitter at BigRepPod and Instagram and TikTok at BigRepputationsPod. Send us a message or email us at BigRepputationsPod at gmail.com. We'd love to hear from you. Subscribe to us on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, or wherever else you get your podcasts. Share us with your friends, your family, or your coven. Subscribe and leave a five-star review. And check out our Big Reputations merch. The link is in the show notes as well as in our Linktree link found on all our social media platforms. And just a special thanks to our wonderful logo designer, Samantha Marmalejo, for putting that together for us. Be sure to take a picture and tag us when you make a purchase. And remember, we have a Patreon now. Patreon.com slash BigReputationsPod or just check out the link in our link tree. Whether you pledge 2 or $5, you'll get a shout out in our episodes. And if you choose a $5 level, you'll have exclusive access to our Little Reputations episodes. These are short mini episodes about amazing women throughout history. Next up, Elvira. All right, let's wrap this up. Kim, what quote do you have for us this time? Why is it that when a woman is confident and powerful, they call her a witch? That's from the amazing Mrs. Simpson of The Simpsons. And as always, believe women. Oh, she's also a vegetarian, so maybe that's why. All right. Maybe that's why Sean looks so young, because he's a vegetarian. Probably. He's been a vegetarian for like 25 years at least, so... I would miss burgers so much. I miss burgers right now. <laughs> I want You're, a burger. He's, you he's can away. Have, he's not he there. He went out of town. I'm going. Yeah. I'm, oh, no. Five Guys is happening at some Call point this the week. the butcher shop. Have I'm not that fancy. <laughs> I'm going to go to Five Guys. <laughs> Ooh. Yeah. You should bring me french fries. They will be cold by the time they get there. I will warm them up. My name is not Antoine. That was so funny. I love <laughs> 
Wait, we have to explain that. So, okay, yes. we're, we're wrapping up. But like Rebecca had a game night and her friend came from work.